Welcome to Marketecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of leading technology vendors. I'm Mike Shields, and I'm here with Aziz R. He's the CEO of Sabio. Hey, Aziz, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Mike. Excited to talk to you because you're in an interesting spot in the moment in the marketplace, but why don't we just start from the top of the big, important question. What does your company do? We are focusing on helping brands reach, understand diverse audiences across the CTV, OTT, and mobile ecosystem. Okay. That was actually one of the simplest answers I've gotten from anybody in these, in these interviews. So I'll, I'll get that. <laughs> I want to get into just lots of specifics about how you do that, but let's kind of cover off some of the basics from the start. How long has the company been around? Where are you based? We started a company in 2015. So it's going to be 10 years, roughly about 2014, actually, timeline. So it'll be 10 years next year. We're based in Los Angeles and we're a publicly traded company in Canada as well. So we have two kind of offices. Los Angeles, which is our key headquarters, and then Toronto, Canada. Okay. Roughly how many employees do you have? And what is their makeup in terms of like engineering, sales, product, things like that? Yeah, we have about 130 people across the globe. A majority of those folks, roughly about 10% of them are in sales. Another 20% is in product. Another 20 or 30% is in data science and engineering. And then we have also folks in marketing. So we have a pretty wide distribution, but uh, the biggest portion of our business is really about our data science engineering folks that are located here and in India. Okay. And, and product. And then uh, you mentioned your public company in Canada. What is your current ownership structure overall? We're primarily about 65% inside ownership on the public markets. And so that is still gives us the opportunity to be a diverse owned entity. Uh, okay. But we are, once again, publicly traded on the TSXV in, in Canada. And it was more of a fundraising mechanism than anything else. Okay, gotcha. All right, so we're here to talk about product. Let's kind of get into it. You know, you mentioned you're here to help companies connect with diverse audiences. That can mean a lot of things. We, you know, we like to categorize companies in this, in this space. Are you a middleman? Are you a DSP? Are you a platform? How do you do what you do? And then maybe we can break down individual pieces and products that you have. Yeah, so uh, it, it's actually a more complicated question because we started off as a DSP. Then we built our own analytics, which is app science. So DSP is Sabio, built our own analytics app science. We acquired a small SSP by the name of Vidillion about a year and a half ago. And then separately, we're launching a, our own streaming channel, which is Sabio TV. So the way to think of us is we're the most complete end-to-end platform infrastructure-wise, one of the most complete in the space today in CTV OTT for diverse okay. audiences. And you've got a consumer-facing product, which I think is pretty interesting and unusual, which I'll come back to. But so how do you, there are, as you know, there are lots of DSPs and SSPs in the space. How do you specialize in diverse audiences? Is, is it a technological specialization? Is it knowledge of the market? the customer base that you work with, all the above, what, what, how do you, what makes you specialize in that area? So the genesis, so Sabia means wiser experience in Spanish. And when I started the company, the whole idea, and this was in 2014 period of time, I believed, and after working at numerous years at various companies, including NBC, Fox, AT&T, and Opera, that no one was effectively reaching diverse audiences. And that's why I created Sabio. And so what makes us unique and differentiated in a space that has a lot of players is A, our genesis. We've always straight truth to that. B, my focus has always been in-app. So whether it's an app on mobile or an app on streaming, we have never done desktop. 
we've never done MoWeb. And so that really gives us this unique vantage point, especially as it relates to diverse audiences who consume content at an overwhelming level on mobile devices and now streaming apps relative to any other platform. And so that really has been our key differentiation is the fact that we focus in on in-app data capabilities, insights, and connecting the dots between those two worlds. And that's where representation is critical, is relative to the panel-based approach that a lot of other companies have taken. We have been very much focusing on real-time data flowing through mobile IDs and CTV IDs. I should have covered this off earlier. Are you primarily in the U.S. or are you global or parts different regions? Where, where are you, where's most of your business? Our business is 100% U.S. today. Actually, okay. as of today, we're starting to do some business in Europe. So literally as of today. Okay. We're doing business in Europe too, in, in UK specifically, but majority of our revenue, close to 100% of revenue today is US-based. Okay, so you just sort of hinted at this, but can you maybe cover off, how do you know what you know about your audiences and, and especially, you know, able, able to zero in on them? Are there unique features or data integrations or interoperability f- features with the platforms we should understand? Yeah, and so when I, I kind of spoke about my past in, in terms of coming from traditional TV and then working at at and and Opera, both mobile-driven companies, my view has always been that the, the app ecosystem was at the center of understanding consumer behavior. And more importantly, understanding diverse consumers. I, for example, am born in India, but I came here when I was five. And if you target me based off me being Indian or traditional elements of the Indian culture, you probably won't effectively reach me. And so my mm-hmm. view was my app profile said more about me than my surname, or my so-called ethnicity criteria. And so that is our unique value. And I knew this in 2016. And so the reality is in 2015, 2016, we started harnessing these mobile IDs that early on. And so, you know, doing machine learning, really storing, understanding consumer behavior, and now connecting them to CTV OTT devices. So when you ask me, you know, that's really our key differentiation. We've been in this game to understand consumer behavior since 2016 and doing a lot of what everyone loves to call now AI components Uh and talking about, we've been doing this machine learning capability since then and give us really great understanding of audiences in that respect. An obvious question, have Apple's major changes in terms of cross-app tracking, have they rocked your business? Does it not matter? And obviously Android has made similar moves. How has that affected you guys? We used to do something called app scanning back in the day. And around 2016, Apple came out and started blocking app scanning. And so at that point, we recognized that if we did not start building an infrastructure that was focusing on signals that were outside of the Apple ID, we were in trouble. And so we were already prepared and creating our household graph when Apple did the changeover in terms of the IDFA limitations and opt-ins. And so it certainly did have an effect. We did see some deprecation in the ID pool as relates to Apple IDs across the board. But fortunately, we already started building a household graph that was not simply just predicated on Apple IDs. It was also predicated on Android IDs, as well as other signals that are coming in the home. More specifically, obviously, CTV devices as well. Right. So does that mean you're not uh, cut off from targeting people on Apple devices? That's exactly right. We can still see the signals because the reality is we have built a household graph that uses all these devices collectively as a household at the household level data. And so just because one device leaves that household and another one comes in, that doesn't mean that, you know, that's not, there's other ways to obviously approach understanding consumer. 
fingerprinting, as you're aware of, yep. and being able to understand simple things like the order of apps that the person has loaded the app device you know, on their apps accordingly. These are all features that we've been using for since 2016 to understand consumer behavior. So yeah, I, you know, the idea of it going away certainly had an effect for major players like sure. Facebook who were used it as a connection point to other platforms. With us, since we've had our own analytics, insights, data within our organization and a DSP to activate on it, we don't need the bridge point. And that gotcha. really is what makes us unique. Okay. Who is your typical customer? We work with a lot of agencies that obviously are trying to reach diverse consumers across the board. So we work with some major brands across the board. Our key categories are automotive, financial, retail, CPG, the traditional okay. categories. So this might vary widely by company and brand and everything, but are you typically talking to like the folks with the multicultural budget or a specific agency? Are these coming out of typical plans and they're, that are setting aside X amount of dollars for different groups or is it all the above? Well, 70% of our campaigns have a general market and a diverse component to it. And so really why we're being used is for the efficiency play, is okay. to understand consumers collectively. And then the concept of also diverse audiences has changed quite a bit, as you know, from 2014. I mean, now you have yep, Gen yep. Z, who is technically the last majority white generation at 50.8% of consumer base, which means the other close to 49.99 is diverse. And so yep. what we're finding is when we started this, it was about efficiency. It was about reaching not only general market audiences, but diverse audiences. And now, progressively, things are moving exactly the way we expected it to move in our direction, where... Diverse audiences are the general market. They're right, no right. longer yeah. segregated and separate. Multicultural marketing is main, is general marketing. Yeah, should be. Exactly, right. exactly. And so if you want to go after Gen Z or Alpha, that's really something you need to start. You know, obviously we're not going after Alpha because that's really young, but the idea is Gen Z is really kind of the mainstream now. But 70% of our campaigns involve general market and uh, diverse audiences. Gotcha. You mentioned some of the big categories. Are we talking mostly big brands, big agencies who have a lot of spending power? Or do you also cater to mid-sized businesses, local businesses, DTCs, et cetera? No, these are big brands. I mean, we're talking about like the GMs, the Fords, the McDonald's. Okay. And really what we're focusing on is not only through our DSP providing the ability to reach consumers, but then separately with our app science insights and analytics providing an understanding of those consumers and the effectiveness. Our view has always been, you can't simply spend the money on diverse audiences and allocation without validating it, because that is just, that's fruitful mm -hmm. thinking, right? That's like, yeah. you need to have metrics behind it. So we are not only a DSP, we provide inside analytics via our app science product. And now, because we acquired this SSP Vidalion, we have direct supply coming in. So supply path optimization, before the trade desk started talking about it, we've been doing it now for about two years. Okay, so okay. really, it's been something that's been at our core overall. So to your point, can you maybe walk us through a typical use case in terms of like how a brand might execute and what kind of validation they would use? And then maybe give us some details on like who actually touches your product. Like, is it, you know, the ad ops team inside one company? Is it the freighter? Is it a big agency? Like, what does that kind of look like? Okay. So in terms of a use case and what we're solving for is we're really working with brands who are interested in reaching those audiences and understanding better. So a use case could be, for example, a QSR client who's interested in reaching consumers who have a visitation habit to maybe a competitor or to their stores. So what we'll do is we'll find 
consumers within our 55 million household graph, which is cross-referenced between 280 million mobile IDs monthly and 110 million CTV devices, cross-referenced, deduplicated, validated. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look for people who, for example, visit a McDonald's or a competitor of McDonald's at least three times a week, and then identify those households that maybe have moms and kids in the house because of the apps they have. So that you're using location visitation, you're using app profile data, and then you add to it now streaming consumption data of what people are viewing. The combination of that really helps us kind of close in on the ideal audiences or households for that product or fit, if that, if that makes sense. So we're really- It does. And then, and then when we run that campaign, then what we're doing is we're providing insights and analytics. And by the way, on App Science, we provide insight and analytics not only for the campaigns we run, we're integrated with other platforms, along with some of the guests you've had in the past on, uh, right. on the show and other ones. And so we're integrated with those folks to help the brands understand when they use those platforms, how effectively are they reaching diverse audiences, specifically diverse audiences. You yeah. know? And so we could break down Asian, Hispanic within the groupings of Asian and Hispanic. Um, not just simply Asian and Hispanic overall. And again, this may vary widely, but you know, say, let's say you're talking about a McDonald's, like who, who's using your products? Is it the data science team? Is it like an analytics group? Is it a whole bunch of different folks? And what are they getting from you? Yeah. And so in terms of like, for example, an automotive company we're working with, they are using us to serve out targeted ads for a certain category of customers. We're helping them reach that. Separately, they're using our app science analytics to help understand the audiences that they're reaching, not only on us, but on the other platforms they're running with. So that includes other folks that we're integrated with. Imagine like the LGs and the Yahoos and a few of the other folks. And so that's really how they're using us. This, this major automotive, foreign automotive maker is really focused in on understanding, not only reaching audiences, but, but understanding it better. Those are different groups within that organization, I'm guessing. That's exactly people. right. Yeah. That's right. exactly okay. right. And so we, we work with the media groups and now more and more, we're also working with their data science groups and analytics groups. You hinted at this, like, you know, this push short supply op path optimization. There's been debates about whether it's good or bad for ad tech companies to be in both sides of the business, like having DSPN and SSP and something in the middle. Do you catch any heat or is there any, how do you, how do you address the, the potential conflict if there is one between being on both sides of the transaction? And then I, I want to ask you about regulation as well. Yeah. And look, there are some inherent risks of being both sides of the equation in the sense that, you know, you need to always be mindful of what your client needs are and while at the same time you're watching your margin. So there are companies out there who should it probably be on both sides of the equation. Our view is quite simply, there is an efficiency factor there. It allows you to mitigate fraud. It allows you to better understand the quality of inventory flowing through and really kind of provide a level of service where you provide the most cost efficiencies for your client. Now, having said that, we're also big believers in providing inventory to other DSPs who need it. We're not of the mindset that we should close out the whole ecosystem to other DSPs. We believe there's a place for everyone. And so we actively reach out to other DSPs to provide okay. them supply through our direct connections. And then another question that comes up, you know, with the regulatory climate in the U.S. has been stalled somewhat. It's, it's mostly on the state level right now as opposed to national but there's always worry that like it seems like some of the the feds collectively are going after location targeting or things that that's an area they don't like. Are you vulnerable particularly to any changes on that front? Actually, we've even had conversations with the feds on this. Um, certainly, they're very focused in on going after people who are selling data nefariously, people who are selling data specifically 
connected to privacy and as it relates to even political campaigns. So they're really concerned about that. And so we believe that the overall policy makeup and what what the position that we've been told is that they're just wanting to make sure that everyone is privacy compliant, that no one is crossing the lines, especially it comes to elements of someone's personal life, healthcare, what their positions are on certain matters in the political sphere. Overall, we believe that the way we have set up this company, and it's always changing, but we believe that by setting up a household graph that does not use PII data or mm-hmm. different variations of PII data, the strictest version of PII data, that we are protecting ourselves. Having said that, part of the genesis of Sabia TV is to have that direct consumer-facing integration and opportunity to, to interact with consumers okay. more directly, which is what we're doing, which is the streaming platform we launched, uh, Sabia TV. And that really is our opportunity to take all we know about consumers across the ecosystem and be able to connect with them directly. So let's talk about the streaming product. That is, is that a brand people will see? Or is that the, the name of your streaming advertising business? That is going to be a brand you will see. And so- okay. Why go that route? That's interesting. Yeah, and, and the thinking has always been, you know, from the genesis of this company, it's about representation for diverse audiences across the ecosystem and understanding them. And so the logical linear thinking for me was, we had the DSP, we're able to monetize diverse audiences. We built analytics app signs to help validate those audiences. And now there's an opportunity to help essentially fund diverse creators in the ecosystem. And that really brings together all the elements of our company. And with Sabio TV, it allows us to help encourage and foster a diverse ecosystem that, as we talked about, is going to be made up of Gen Zers and below as a diverse audience. So this is an opportunity to really take advantage of a need in the marketplace that needs to be solved for. So what kind of content are we talking about? I'm imagining you're not trying to outspend the Netflixes of the world. Are you talking about aggregating creators or licensing stuff? Yeah. What we have done is we've actually, we have 750 hours of program already through 40 content creators that what we're doing is we're working with them to take some of their existing content. And this is content that has some specific criteria that we're looking for. First of which is that they're diverse. Second Mm -hmm. of which is it's been actually created in the type of format we want, and that could be amenable to CTV OTT. And then we're serializing it. So we're putting some of our own magic touch onto it Mm. to make sure it's quality ready for CTV OTT big screen. And so our view is simply that the top creators today are obviously social media creators who understand how to produce great content that Gen Zers and Gen Alphas are going to like and have already voted they like. And and so that really is kind of our game plan and strategy is to take that content that exists and actually work with them on some original programming as well. So we're not, you know, this is more social media related influencers, content creators who really are diverse in in nature. Okay. Because I was going to ask you, how do you compete? It's such a competitive, crowded space, but it sounds like you're, instead of doing a monster marketing campaign, you can lean on your influencers to let people know about this. That's exactly right. And along with our household graph. So that's where our analytics and insights and the understanding of the diverse marketplace comes in. Not only are we going to be able to use the influencers and to help actually leverage the influencers to have them get out to the marketplace and get the word out, but then also use our own household graph data to help those households know that these influencers exist. And this okay. is the kind of quality content we, we produce. Okay. How does your pr- the pricing model work? Getting back to the DSP, SSP side of the business. Yeah, CPM, we're still uh, cost per completed view. 
or okay. a cost per a thousand. So, you know, the reality is we still very much a traditional model, although we are putting now some components of analytics and, and, you know, paying based off of certain completions, certain views, certain outcomes. But really, today's model is primarily focusing on cost per completed view. Okay. What is your one to two year product roadmap? Our one to two year product roadmap, quite honestly, exists of primarily making sure the app science product continues to grow. From an analyst perspective, we see a huge need and opportunity there to provide better understanding and validation of diverse audiences. That's number one. Number two is Sabio TV's proliferation as a platform that lives on existing platforms. So as a fast channel that continues to grow in the next couple of years, and then we're already getting interest on an international level for Sabio TV. So we believe it's really a two-prong strategy. It is the expansion of app science, analytics, and insights, and really making that is a de facto go-to for diverse audiences and brands and agencies that are trying to understand diverse audiences. And then separately from that is our Sabio TV product, which then will continue to grow in terms of reach and size is really our objective overall. What can you tell us about business metrics, revenue growth, profitability, et cetera? Yeah, so we're a publicly traded company and, and you know everything is actually in the public sphere. So we have been growing at a fairly fast rate in the last couple of years. This year has been obviously a little bit more challenging, but overall our CTV OTT business, despite not having political advocacy, which is the area that we do really well in, in Q3, despite not having that, our CTV OTT business continue to grow 29% year to year. Okay. So more than 70% of our revenue comes today from CTV OTT. And so we see a huge opportunity and specifically as it relates to diverse audiences into that category. Separately from that, business metrics on the app science side, we are now continuing to be integrated with a record number of platforms. And that really is going to continue to be kind of our moat opportunity there, where as we integrate with more platforms through app science, it's going to provide more visibility and understanding for brands and agencies on the effectiveness of diverse audiences. Okay. It is lightning round time. Are you ready? <laughs> Never, but go for it. <laughs> These should be fun off the top of your head answers. Yes, sure. Let's see if we can do this. What is the one competitive advantage you have versus other solutions? Analytics. Okay. Why won't the walled gardens like Google, Facebook, or Amazon just crush you? Because they're focusing on the macro situation while we're focusing on a very particular niche audience capability, which is going to be a majority, which is diverse audiences. Uh-huh. What's your biggest product or market challenge? Visibility. You know, being a small company, we can't spend the likes of a Google, Amazon, or Facebook. Okay. What is the number one reason customers choose not to use your product? They just don't know us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, if your company was an animal, what animal would it be? Well, our logo is an owl. And so the reason it is an owl is because we're wise and experienced. And that's really what we are. Now, outside of an owl, it would be a cheetah because I like the idea of being nimble and fast. And so that okay. really is what I would say overall. All right. The owl cheetah combo. I like it. All right. Aziz, <laughs> right. Great stuff. Thanks for your time here. Thank you. Appreciate the time. Thank you for subscribing to Marketecture. New interviews are added every week at marketecture.tv and your favorite podcasting app.